flying sign with Joe Clady. This is Stoic Forge. I went through the rest of that food that Matt had given me back in Santa Clarita. Had a box of Lipton tea bags, um, two cans of Frito bean dip, three cans of Mexican style refried beans, and one giant cardboard cylinder of oatmeal. Just plain dry oats, which I had never, you know, usually it was the bag that you microwave that I had had oatmeal in before. Um, so I cut open a, an old Gatorade bottle. That was mine, not from the, not from the street like T and Linda. Uh, made a bowl, poured some oatmeal in it with some water and just let it sit on the roof and <laughs> warm up and soggy him up a little bit. Um, and I really liked it. It was really strange, but it seemed like a, a healthy alternative to the, the bullshit I had been pumping into my body for over a month now. I was itching to get to San Francisco, and uh, I was really ready to get out of this truck stop that I had been at for, for two days, so I wanted to get everything cleaned up, get everything ready to go and, and prepare. Um, and as I'm cleaning out the van, I find one of T and Linda's needles. It was clean. It was one of their unused ones. I It must have somehow fallen out of the bag uh, where they had dropped it. In the, in the scuffle, it had found its way onto the, the floor of the van. So at first I was shocked and almost a little paranoid that someone would see it and automatically assume I'm some sort of junkie. But then I smiled and realized that that was the trade. <laughs> that was the the piece that I got and uh, in exchange for, I don't know, I guess they don't get anything besides, the, I don't know, I guess I didn't give them anything besides the ride. That's it. So f- f- in exchange for the ride, I got a clean heroin needle. Lucky me. So I started to make my way to San Francisco, starting the, the drive off like any other day, playing Shambhala by Three Dog Night and feeling rested and uh, ready to, to do this big city thing. I haven't been in a, in a big city like this um, on this whole trip. I mean, Tulsa was pretty big, but... <sighs> Nothing compared to to what this was about to be. The closer I got, the the more of a bitch the traffic was. Uh, but I finally got there into Oakland, saw the bridge off in the distance, and cheered out loud as I crossed the bridge from Oakland into San Francisco. I got downtown and immediately asked my way to Fisherman's Wharf remembering the uh, potential job opportunity offered by Humble Pie and Melissa. The ship was called the M&M, captained by their friend Emerson. So I'm asking all of these other docs and um, just anyone that would have any idea, and, and people knew how, who I was talking about, uh, which immediately surprised me that it was actually real. Not that I was doubting them. I don't know. It just seemed like something that uh, wouldn't actually exist when it when it came time. Um, and but everyone just kept sending me to a different location until I ended up finding out that he had left three days before, headed north up the coast. Part of me was. Um, disappointed that I didn't get that opportunity. Uh, but then there was another part of me that was very relieved. It was not, I didn't know how to do that. There was, um, I had some influence of the the deadliest catch thinking of, of those people and, uh, 
what it might look like. Granted, I doubt it would be that extreme, but to someone with very little uh, boating experience outside of a pontoon boat, um, it didn't seem like maybe the best thing for me. As I'm walking down the wharf, it's very, um, very um, touristy. There's a lot of a lot of that. Obviously, the the Bubba Gumps, uh, the Applebee's, um, all your your Olive Garden, all, all your typical uh, hometown comforts that you can still find when you uh, when you get there. And I'm sure some people insist on going to that place to then go home and tell their their local Applebee's about the San Francisco Applebee's and be excited about it. I don't see the appeal to that. I don't see why you would be in in such a uh, different place, especially if you're from the Midwest like myself. This this uh, this economy that's been built on a bay is unlike anything that most people in the country see of the the fishing industry surrounded by um uh all the the, just the the giant city it wasn't just some fishing town i mean it was san francisco it's a big deal but then to the coast is this entire industry that has some of the best food probably in the country as I'm walking around, this uh, very Indian-accented man uh, comes up and is volunteering for a soup kitchen and gave me two stickers that I immediately assumed were perfect for the guitar case. Um, and he, we sat and chatted for a little bit, and he asked me where I was from, and then just walked away, and I, I was very pleased uh, that he actually took the time to talk to me, but then I wondered if he was if he was coming to me for a donation, maybe thinking I was another tourist, or looking at me and maybe seeing me as uh, troubled youth, <laughs> recognizing that I might need uh, a warm meal tonight. Which I guess he was right, um, but I didn't see it that way. I was very anxious and, and kind of getting frustrated uh, to, to, to try and find my way to the, the ocean, uh, a beach, a beachfront. And it was so cold and foggy, and I, I didn't want that to be the, the moment I walked up. Uh, I had kind of through the the entire trip um at, developed many mottos and mantras that I would say to myself and I would often mutter nowhere specific just to the pacific there had been plans to go to Encinitas and and Los Angeles and San Diego and but I ended up here and this was my 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 dead end in a, in a way there was no more west that I could reach um, and I knew the significance of that and wanted it to be significant um, similar to the the chapel scenario I wanted it to be maybe the moment maybe that was the moment of uh, enlightenment or whatever um so I didn't want to spoil it uh, by by not having the weather be just right, or like I was a a bridezilla preparing for my wedding day. I wanted everything to be perfect as I made my way to the ocean finally, which I think is fair. <laughs> I I wanted it to be everything that I had hoped it would be after all the shit it wasn't like i just flew out there i mean i i felt like i earned it uh to have something uh worthwhile so um 
I called my brother to just just catch up and, and see what was going on, Chad. Um, and I tell him the story about T and Linda. And I I hear the frustration in his sighs and breathing. Uh, and he winds up and goes off in a very in a very um matter of fact way um said how how worried everyone was including him how mom hadn't been sleeping how people would bombard him with questions at school wondering what the hell's going on with me currently and everything leading up to it and I I came back at him kind of hard. I said, out of all the people that he would understand, out of all the the beatniks and the 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 Kerouac readers that would appreciate some sort of, of tale like this, uh, some sort of narrative that this thing had become, that it wasn't just a a drive, a casual drive west. It was full of things and events and people that were good and bad and unplanned. I thought by the end, maybe he would uh, be proud and um, excited to hear about it, just like all the books he would read. But then he said that he, if he were to ever do this now he would be just like his big brother and my stomach sank and that was pretty much the end of the conversation I I didn't want him to go but with a goodbye he did and I I felt very guilty that I had potentially stolen this from him and yet, everyone can do what they want. And it's not like he had ever said, someday I want to buy a van and and make by whatever, do the same thing. He'd never alluded to that, that I was um, conspiring to steal a potential dream of his. He never hinted to that. But apparently I did. And I was not... Uh, I was not happy with how we ended that conversation. Which <laughs> selfishly tainted the the ocean at that moment even more. So, uh, with some reflection, as I could see it in the distance, I decided to try and find my way um, back into town and, and find a place to sleep for the night. I found... Uh, this hotel in town, after going bouncing from hotel to hotel, 150 a night, 200 a night, 100, it, way out of my price range. Um, and then I eventually found one for 70 and really considered it and looked at the, the front desk lady and I said, do you have anything else? She's like, is that your van out there? I said, yeah. Well, it looks like you've been sleeping in it. I have. Well, for $10, you can uh, park it all day and all night in the garage. And I'll just leave it at that. With a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So, I was fine with that. It was a safe place to sleep in the middle of San Francisco. Gated, too. Lucky me. I could actually sleep with both eyes closed tonight. Uh, so, found a nice spot in the corner. Well lit, but dim enough to let me go to sleep. I was slow moving the next morning. Uh, but I, I, I wish I wouldn't have finished all the, the free coffee or eaten all of that fucking oatmeal the night before. 
I was I was tapped on uh, all of Matt's food at that point. So again, she said I could stay there all day until the evening, where I would then pay again. Uh, but for ten bucks, you can't you can't argue for that again in downtown San Francisco. And knowing that I already had a place to crash was uh, freeing, and I was able to actually enjoy the day and pursue something more without the uh, constant and lingering panic of not knowing where I was going to sleep that night. And like many days, um, I missed the bike today, but today most of all, those hills um, are killer in San Francisco to climb up and even down but even walking and I there are bike paths and places I could have ridden uh, but no someone else had that bike at that moment and so I explored for the day hoping to find uh, nothing really I guess I didn't I didn't want to find anything I just wanted to be a tourist I wanted to walk around not have to spange not have to grovel, not have to look like trouble if someone saw me peeking in. I just wanted to be a kid, <laughs> you know, and and see San Francisco for the first time. I made my way to Broadway and Columbus and uh, hate Nashbury, the, 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 the whole deal. Um, I even made my way to the Beat Museum for Chad, took some pictures there for him and saw a lot of the, the, the Jack Kerouac, uh, memorabilia and artifacts and relics, uh, that filled that, that tiny museum. And I realized that, that San Francisco was strange in the sense that, that it had, I mean, I didn't go in, but what seemed like very high-end strip clubs uh, with roaring twenty, roaring twenties themes, uh, with night with bright neon signs next door, um, or with the bright neon signs, and then next door would be what appeared to be five-star restaurants with uh, uh, classy decorated patios that sat outside right next to it, and, and no one really cared. Um, that that two of these kind of different worlds were right next to each other, and I guess maybe that was the the Midwest boy in me coming out. Uh, I mean, it was just two businesses operating, but I I don't know. I felt my my uh, Catholic guilt <laughs> kind of spew out for a second, like oh the shame, oh the shame of the strip club next to the 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 family of four sharing a meal together and with a thought as i walked away what a what a real dinner and a show i guess the definition if if you could ever uh, a truer definition hasn't been seen on my way back i walked through this tunnel cutting uh, under a steep hill it was loud with cars passing nonstop and I couldn't really breathe. All the exhaust got trapped in the tunnel, and so I took as little breaths as possible. Uh, found my way back to the wharf again, and uh, just walked around. I had found that Emerson had left. The M&M was out at sea. Uh, so I wasn't hunting. I was able to just be and sit and walk and as you walk down Fisherman's Wharf beware the Bushman now the Bushman is a man that sits there with um, just sitting on a five gallon bucket with fistfuls of, of branches and leaves 
that were still green, so probably picked daily. But as you walk by, it just looks like a bush out of the corner of your eye. You don't really think about it. And as you, as you approach him, get about a, a foot away, he peeks his head through with a silent, like, growl roar, just... Not loud, but enough to make you do a little sidestep jump. Maybe let out some some four-letter words. And uh, and he got me, and that's his, his shtick. That's his thing that he... And then you give him money. And, I mean, I didn't have money to give, but I appreciated the, the the show and it made me laugh and I sat there from a little distance and just watched as he got person after person and some people had the same reaction as me to where they would laugh and, and enjoy the and, and find the humor in it to find that it's it's all in good fun and it's not he's not yelling and he's not being crazy he's just that's his thing you know he, he doesn't it's so original that you have to enjoy it. There was no sign of why lie? It's for vodka. Why lie? It's for beer. There was, you know, which is was funny the first time, man. But now, not very. You're all. Everyone does it. You know, and I, again, I'm not saying I'm a pro or know like what works and what doesn't, but. As someone who did fly a sign, even if it was just for a little bit, and on the other side, someone who gives money, people are going to be choosy, and people are going to be picky about what they choose to give their their change to. And and he had uh, the the razzle-dazzle that charmed most of the tourists at the wharf that day. I wouldn't say all. Some were not happy. Some would get scared and go to just yell at him, and he would just still sit there. No smile, no, no, uh, just, just, I don't know. I don't know if that was part of the act, too, to just be in character as the legendary Bushman. I made my way back to the the van again for another night. Uh, um, under that hotel in that garage, and I felt some some real laziness seep in. I think it was because I hadn't I didn't have the anxiety that day of of worrying where I was going to park. I just my my heart rate was able to be normal throughout the day, and I was able to be tired uh, and not just crash out of necessity. I was able to crash because I just wanted to. I made my my rounds, my people to call, uh, called my mom, called my other brother Patrick, and I... I called my friend Emily. It was the the girl I texted in the Grand Canyon for her birthday right before uh, the night with Leo. And I, I complained to her about not having that moment. Not having the, the, the climactic point to this uh this this story that has unfolded not that i expected the story to unfold this way but i i had hoped that something would would happen especially since things didn't didn't work out the way i had planned in the grand canyon and even then before i left indiana i had I you know I had my plan to to end it all but I was still hoping for that moment to to eat, not to save me but to almost make it easier so now it's 
it's both things. I, I had hoped for that moment to make doing what I went out to do in the Grand Canyon seem more of a of a an easier decision, more of a an instinctual thing rather than a choice. And then since I was able to I'm not going to say overcome because it wasn't my choice, but since that didn't happen and at this point now I I didn't really uh plan for it to happen partially out of fear because it had gotten so close I was still waiting for it and she thought for a while as I whined and complained about that as well as the uh, November weather what is what it felt like I mean it was the middle of September but it felt like Thanksgiving in Indiana uh, in San Francisco with the fog rolling in from the bay but she listened and listened and got quiet and I could tell she was thinking and with a with a question in her voice to where she wasn't trying to be profound in any way but uh, with with a tone that well, think about this, maybe. She said, that may not happen. And that I should look on a more uh, grand scale and see that this story, this narrative, this trip may have been the climactic point in my life. As, as one um, collective moment. Why did it have to be in a second? Why did it have to be all at once uh, a flood of, of truth and emotion and breakthroughs? Can't, can't an entire uh, realization about about life and and love and the god and death what it, it, it can be more than that it's a collection of moments And I, I felt it in my heart that she was right. That moment was never going to happen. It never was going to happen. I don't know why I expected it to be that. Uh, maybe because it's, it's the path of, of less resistance. It's the, the easiest thing to have happen. It's the, the, the cheat code. It's in us as human beings to not want things to be hard. And as humans now, I mean, things are definitely hard for people. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But at least from my world... Things are just complicated. And I think things are complicated with, with everyone. And I, again, I'm not downplaying anyone's hardships. Or even really my hardships. I'm not... It's hard. And it's complicated. But it has to be. And it's always going to be. We're made and still designed... Not, we're designed to overcome and adapt and be resilient to these complications, difficult times, and not designed uh, through through some intelligent design 
through divine intervention. I I think it just over time we've had to find food and fight off neighboring tribes find a mate feel safe in a community and those things still ring true now we can't erase that from from what we are now underneath all of the the glam and glitter all the the stuff it's it's still there and that that stuff all has its place too i mean we think every every phone or um every every um facebook friend will be some sort of tool to either um uh protect us make us look more attractive establish a higher rank in in our community whatever it is i mean it all has its place i think uh, but again it's it's supposed to be hard and when it's not we're going to create problems not particularly for maybe for the world even though i think it does happen uh but on a day-to-day situation between just individuals it's it's um we we work things up in our head we create these delusions of grandeur these uh epic sadnesses that that we assume are real just because you feel them but there's something to uh, recognizing that it ain't shit and that you can do more than you think that if you experience enough adversity whether it's uh, by the by just the cards you're dealt or in this situation uh, a self-created adversity of of uh, being poor being hungry uh, being scared being sad you're able to you're able to have some sort of uh, uh, resilience and metaphorical badge of honor that you that you made it through it whether you got help or not whether the probability allowed for your survival or not you made it through and you wear that badge of honor for the rest of your life as an experience and that's that's what I thought after getting off the phone with her that I'm okay and I felt the love from her from my brothers from my parents from all of my friends and family from all the people I've met good and bad and I was 
feeling that seed in my head. That, that vibrating seed that had been going nuts the entire year before to where I had to, to, to create some sort of problem that was influenced by, by uh, the trials of, of growing up, of f- trying to find your own truth and disguising it as uh, pain and heartache in myself when maybe it, it wasn't, wasn't all there. But again, you, you, can't, you can't diminish it. You can't uh, forget what your brain is telling you and and how to interpret all of these all of these uh, delusions your brain is telling you here are some problems that maybe you haven't really had to have before now either conquer them or die Either earn that badge or go sit on the bench. Because there's there's enough people that will just sit on that bench and die. And I'm not saying that I'm, again, some conqueror of this road. But I was able to make it through. And I fell asleep that night feeling that metaphorical seed began beginning to to grow and bear the fruit of this mission there was no death there was life that seed I I expected it to be the the epic conclusion to really not even blossom ever to just to just be uh, a planted thought enough to get to that end to run there I guess I never expected it to actually grow and bear fruit the next day I made my way to the Golden Gate Park, walked around. It was a beautiful park with giant buildings and, and landscapes that just tucked in the the just deep, deep green grass. Those buildings that were very thought-provoking and artistic. And um, But I found my way to the beach. And it was colder than those days before. That that was cold enough to where I had to change into sweatpants and sweatshirt and head back to where I could actually sit and enjoy it. And I dug my feet into the sand, dug my fingers into the sand, and just saw the the cloudy sky and the gray ocean, the peppered sand, the very, very scarce... uh, people that uh, were, were separated by yards and yards. No one was around. And why would they? It was a shitty beach day. But it was my beach day. It was, it was my time. And again, I, I didn't, I knew that I wasn't going to get a moment and I wasn't expecting it at this point especially after the conversation from the night before but I walked to the ocean I took off my sweatshirt took off my sweatpants 
to where I was just in some basketball shorts and felt that ice cold water on my feet and without really thinking I jumped in enough to submerge my body for a moment feel my lungs expand and my my eyes shoot open feel the water soak my entire body soak my hair to where I could feel my ears rattle it was so cold and I shot back up and I felt new I was baptized in that ocean that was my rebirth that was my my moment my moment of truth my moment where I knew it was okay I was fine and I was always going to be fine ever ever since the, the, the universe was formed this was always going to happen this way like I've talked about before math and probability and 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 the, the choices that we think we make i don't know if we really make them and i'm not i'm i'm not saying it's destiny but i'm saying there are so many players of this game and so many choices that are made that influence a person enough to make another one and another one and another one that i think since the dawn of time I was always going to make it there. And that whatever happened from now on was always going to happen that way. And I felt so much relief in that. In that knowing that my choices matter so much that they've already been made. <laughs> that I matter so much that it could influence the probability of someone else making a choice. The probability that they are going to make that choice. I was washed in that pride that feeling of 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 wonder and appreciation of every choice that has ever been made that has got me to this moment everything that has ever happened has a reason and that reason was now was that moment because it is all one big collection of moments And I felt so content. I made my way back to my pile of clothes, obviously shivering. Uh, got myself calmed down. This guy came up, looked like a like a young professional that was just kind of out for a, a stroll in his nice pea coat, uh, but asked me if I wanted to to hit his joint that he was that he was uh smoking and I with a with with a look of yes please and and almost a <laughs> a a, a douchebaggy confidence was just like just very accepting and and uh confident in my in myself uh after what had just happened and then he went on to 
ask what the fuck just happened as he saw me do the whole thing. I must have looked like uh, a crazy person as I jumped in the cold water and stood up and closed my eyes and looked to the sky. <laughs> looked to that that horizon where the gray sky hit the darker gray sea. We sat and chatted for a little bit and uh, this kid named Earth came up and sat either Earth or Earth, I don't know. I think it was Earth sat down next to me with two of his friends, uh, this 21 year old couple. They were really quiet and kind of weird. Um, but he asked to play the guitar that I had brought with me. We jammed for a little bit. Um, and his, his voice was even, even more, had more of a nasal sound than mine. Uh, and when another guitar came around, his, his friend went and grabbed the other one. I soloed along with him and was actually pretty surprised with myself how well I was, uh, how well I was playing with him and also how patient I was putting up with his, uh, guitar jam tyranny for anyone that jams. There's always one that won't just shut the fuck up and collaborate. And that was this guy. His friends uh, wore that militant hippie shit with with a very lazy and bored attitude to him. All they cared about was food and pot. But I agreed that I was going to take them to Garberville, north of Laytonville, where Humble Pie had told me to go. Uh, but I told him I'd come back and pick him up. I just needed to to have some moments, just have some time to myself before I left. So, after everything that had just happened in the ocean, I, I called my mom and my dad. They were together, and I told them I was ready, that I was ready to come home. Obviously, my mom was thrilled, but uh, cloaked it in uh, in, a, in an attitude of, of well, well, I just want you to be sure. I, I don't want you to be disappointed about coming coming home this way. I want it to be the right way. And I told them that I was, and that I was excited, and that it might still be a little bit, but I'm ready to come home, and that I'm happy. And she started to cry, and so did I, and I told her that I loved her and that I'd call her later tonight. So I went back and picked up those kids <laughs> from the beach, and uh, I was very low on money. So I was going to take Jerry and Five's advice and make them run the jug, if you will, the term to hit all the pumps at the station and, and ask for money and uh, also, one of Five's tips was ask for food. Any of these fast food places, if if you ask, maybe they have something that's about to go out. And he said he used to feel weird about it and now has no shame at all. So I kept that in mind and knew that once we got out of San Francisco, it was, it was time to put them to work. The Golden Gate Bridge was coming up, and I was thrilled that there was no toll. It was massive and red. I later wondered why it wasn't the Red Oak Bridge and called the Golden Gate Bridge. Then I thought of all the, the action movies with, with the bridge being attacked or destroyed in some theatrical t catastrophe. Thinking of the rise of the Plane of the Apes, the, the movie I had seen and <laughs> that I had snuck into in Flagstaff. Uh, X-Men 3 where Magneto destroys the bridge and the core where the, the ozone layer is destroyed and the bridge is melted by the gamma rays of the sun and my favorite it came from beneath the sea <laughs> where uh, 
giant octopus squid it just climbs up and wreaks havoc on the on the bridge but alas nothing nothing failed nothing crashed no apes jumped through my windshield and we made it through and I needed gas now uh, and earth insisted on playing on a corner just playing guitar with his little sign out and again I'm no pro but I know that you're not going to get money playing at some Kroger, Rite Aid, whatever it was across the street. You're it, you're no better than uh just some weirdo. Like that's not the the place to play, especially with the sign that f- folded in every direction and couldn't stand up and was um uh, no bigger than an 8 by 11 piece of paper had no defining qualities of it didn't give any information about who you are or what you're doing it he just had no tactic um to making money and so as he insisted to go play on this corner with that raggedy ass sign nick the 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 guy the husband in that relationship i I insisted that he tried running the jug, and I sat back and watched to see how this would go, and it was so painfully awkward as he would waddle up to him and meekly ask, which you're supposed to be meek, but not not mumble out the words like you're stoned to shit. And uh, after one try, and not one try like he... He, he was done after one try and came back with nothing. So, me realizing the horrible decision I made picking up these people, uh, I ran the jug and came back with $15, then 10 more on the second run. Again, luck was on my side, but I like to think that my... Uh, my street charm assisted because I think it did they just walked across the street as I'm running the jug filling up the tank sitting there next to earth making no money and using the money that they had in their pockets to go inside and walk out with Starbucks and my I felt rage. (laughs) I felt uh, disappointed in in wanting to do something kind and and making um, friends with people doing something similar that were my age. Um, And I realized I had to ditch these kids somehow. I made my way up a little bit to, to Santa Rosa and basically told them to get out. And that I felt bad but I had to go on alone um I I I felt bad that I wasted their time uh but I got them 40-50 miles north at least however far it was and they didn't pull their weight and I didn't know how they were ever going to get to where they needed uh to go with an attitude and a work ethic like that the land kept getting more and more beautiful the farther north I got. and uh, I stopped in Cloverdale, made camp at a McDonald's, and I called Chad again, my brother. He was drunk <laughs> at, a, at a college party, and uh, I briefly, I didn't want to keep him because I didn't want to, you know, bog him down with my, my bullshit. Uh, but I explained my new contentment my my happiness and my uh, my eager attitude to get home now at this point and he was happy for me and I could hear it I could hear the relief in his voice as well through the the slurs and the 
the this or the slurring of words and you know shitty rap in the background uh, he told me how he had had a long talk with mom earlier in the day and and they talked she talked about how good we are uh, as brothers and as sons but also how different we are especially then we laughed about it and she, he said some examples uh, and right before he got off the phone we agreed on having the best parents ever and we were very very lucky to know that they were always there and they were always going to be there and I was ready I was ready to see them again tell the the stories of the road for what I wanted to tell Maybe not all of it, but I would tell what was fun and what was scary and exciting, but I was ready, and I couldn't wait to go home. Tune in next week for the two-part finale of Stoic Forge. We'll see you next time. I've been losing sleep. I've been keeping myself awake. I've been